I think that you can either bitch and complain and feel like, oh, well, this is the end of the world, or you can just kind of move on and just show that you can make more and better stuff. So you're not sitting there grinding by yourself, like in the basement, cranking out one animation every four months. You are working with people and collaborating. So how have you managed to do that? Am I being stupid to think that there could be a, a sort of boot camp for YouTube and creative media people to learn how to have these project management skills and team management skills? If you're working with someone and you constantly have to check in with them on whether or not they're doing the thing that you both agreed upon that they would do, you got to stop working with that person. Do you have a process for turning beloved media into nightmare fuel or does your imagination just work that way? Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. We are live on Discord, like always, every Wednesday night. Wednesday night is TCU night, 6 p.m. Eastern. Isn't that right? Matthew Tabor, who's with me as always. It is. It's kind of, you know, that, that kind of discriminates against the Australians for whom it is not night, but... If you want to be if you want to be xenophobic about it, I guess we can Shame. we can do it your way. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know what? I really don't like boomerangs, so I'm okay with that. Does boomerang make any sense? If you actually hit something with the boomerang, it's not going to come back. So what's the point? Well, but the thing you hit is what you're going to to collect and eat. I mean, so you're going to go collect the thing and the boomerang at the same time. Uh, I guess that makes sense. I didn't really think this through yeah. very well. I don't know. Maybe it's we should hunting device. We should start the recording over again. <laughs> so I sound less <laughs> less stupid with my Australian <laughs> hatred. Um, but yeah, no, we have new things going on in the world of TCU. Um, we have uh, annual subscriptions on on the on the Patreon side now. We have some yeah. people who have taken advantage of that. We want to thank them for that, which is awesome. It's like. Yeah, it's like 20% off. I mean, Patreon does a nice job with that, where if you want to, uh, you know, commit to the year, they give you a break. And for TOTS, that's like $20 straight up whole year. That's awesome. Uh, and then it goes up from there. So yeah, we've got a couple people uh, renew annually, and that's awesome. I encourage you to do it if that is a thing you like. Yes, if that is a thing you like. It's a thing we like. We have a ton of people here with us live for our awesome guest. Uh, but those in the chat are our patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash the create unknown, become a $2 tot, part of the dumpster crew, an infantry member, or, or maybe someday part or. of the illustrious baby gang. I don't know if you That's can right. make it, but you know, it's something to <laughs> aspire to, I think at least. Matt, uh, why don't you tell everybody in the chat and not in the chat who we're hanging out with today? Uh, today? Did we talk about who we're hanging out with through the rest of January? Did you mention that or not? I well, wasn't paying I, attention to you. My um, memory is is worse than uh, what's worse than a goldfish. If there were like a diamond fish, perhaps it'd be worse than that. A diamond but. fish. Well, we've got uh, we've got a few a few booked out. We've got James Marriott uh, coming down the pike. That's we right. have Cordwit. We have uh, Ted, uh, Lunch Club Ted, and formerly of the Lunch Club, and. Uh, Rusty Cage next week, but this week we are with Meat Canyon. 
In Genesis, the biblical explanation of the formation of the Grand Canyon and canyons like it is that they were formed on day three of the creation week. But Meat Canyon, though equally divine, is only about three years old. You may have seen Meat Canyon. <laughs> you may have seen Meat Canyon in Mr. Beast's YouTube Rewind for his parody in which Beast offers a dying patient the new heart he needs to survive or a beast-wrapped Tesla. 12 million people have now witnessed this patient struggling with that Sophie's choice. Meat Canyon has spoofed everything from Ronald McDonald drugging a Big Mac and kidnapping you to clowning on the makeup community. And we will definitely talk about Wabbit Season and Warner Brothers claiming material of a very sexy Bugs Bunny. And the remarkable thing is that he does it all from home. And his very quickly growing fan base loves it. He funded and surpassed a Kickstarter goal for a new series called Monster Lab, which dropped on January 3rd as promised. He's got the cream crew to talk animation. And on a second channel, Papa Meat, he's dropped a podcast called Meatcast. And you are allowed to listen to that in addition to the Create Unknown. In terms of the big five personality traits, Hunter is very high on the conscientiousness scale, which makes him a YouTube unicorn from getting details on this recording to giving frequent updates to subscribers and spraying Chad-like credit all over his collaborating animators. Meat Canyon is deservedly beloved by his supporters. So, Papa Meat, uh, why is Bugs Bunny so sexy <laughs> that Warner Brothers needs to rein him in? That's a great question. Why is Bugs Bunny so sexy? I think that it's just probably his voluptuous fucking thick belly and just how, uh, I don't know, how he, how I drew him, I guess. I drew him like a bowling pin, so probably, that, that, I, I hope that becomes the new sexy narrative instead of an hourglass becomes bowling pin. Would be nice. I would enjoy that. Sort of like a, a chic, a yeah. chic chungus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. how nice I felt about chungus. it. I don't know why they wanted him so bad. They did, though. I mean, they, I, they, they, they clawed for him and they have him. It's all his now. What happened there? How did this, what's the, what is the story on start to finish on, on this, this Bugs Bunny debacle? I, um, well, I just made a random tune called Wabbit Season, which just the premise of it would be, um, I thought to myself, I was what, I forgot what movie I was watching, but I was watching some kind of material and it was basically, I just thought to myself, it would be really hard to have a sexually, um, charged or, you know, a, a person who, um, is, like a sexual predator. I think I was listening to a, a podcast about Jeffrey Dahmer or something. And I was like, it would suck to be that person's dad or something. <laughs> and it became a, it became a thought of, I wonder what it would be like if you're, if you had a son that was, you know, a struggling rapist, blah, blah, could you still love him? And then that kind of eventually bled into yeah. what if Bugs Bunny, all this kind of stuff. And it kind of began from there. Um, and then that was up for, I want to say it was up for like six weeks or so. And then, um, I started getting messages asking, you know, where it was at. And to my surprise, it was taken down. Um, I, of course, I've had stuff like this happen a little bit where studios or networks will claim something. But under the Fair Use Act, it's pretty, you know, it's just fair use. So I put in a sure. copyright appeal, not thinking anything of it, which, of course, now I would probably have my lawyers look at it. But, um, yeah, I just threw it in. And then within like an hour or so, um, I got a notification back basically saying that, nope, they sided with him and the video will is pretty much forever gone, um, which I think there's a lot of things at play that happened. I think that one, Warner Brothers, uh, I think that they're 
HBO Max was getting ready to be released. So I think that all the bots were going like pretty hard on any copyrighted material. So I think that I was just in the crossfire and it was right at the time when COVID restrictions were beginning to happen. And on the YouTube dashboard, even they were like, oh, well, it's going to be more bots than people to, for COVID regulations and all that stuff. So I just think it was the perfect storm of, um, you know, getting it taken down. And I, I, yeah, I just think it was the perfect storm. I saw this thing that would definitely affect you. And I hope it was real and not like I didn't get tricked. But I, I thought that I read that there was a court case that decided that mashups were no longer or, or were not considered fair use. Mashups meaning like, what if uh, Peter Griffin uh, uh, was actually Alf? Right. Um, and you like <laughs> made that as a t-shirt. Like, uh, uh, like technically now you can't do that. You know, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure. This? I know uh, from, from what I, you know, early on, I would have characters that look similar. Like I know that Elmer Fudd looks kind of similar, but I really tried to even make the characters, um, different or distorted to the original copyright as well. So it can't fall under that kind of, um, it kind of just becomes a reimagining if anything, versus like having a stock photo of Peter Griffin and then like put, dressing him up in an alpha outfit or something, you know, I, 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 I'm not entirely <laughs> yeah. sure. I mean, with all these kind of laws, they're just so vague. It, it's, it's really just, it comes down to the person who is defending and who is accusing. Um, and it just, be, that's, it literally seems like that there's no, um, it doesn't seem like there's ever a clear definition for anything. It just all feels so inherently vague. Very yeah. subjective. Yeah. 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 And I think South you, Park you, has won yeah. some cases over the years that were pretty weird. Like the, was it the what, what in the butt song? Do you guys know what I'm yeah, talking about? From, uh, Sam, was it Sam? What was it Samwell? Does that sound right? Something like that? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, um, video from back yeah, in the day. I, gotta, I just know that also they've, they've gotten tons of see. celebrities yeah. that they've parodied and stuff that have um, tried suing them. Uh, but it seems like they have almost a bulletproof, like a, just like a bulletproof vest with that beginning title sequence. It seems to really help them. Um, from what I've heard or read yeah. that that thing is just like a, a clause mm -hmm. that's just full protection. So, <laughs> right. And you can really file a claim on virtually anything. It doesn't even have to be art. And then it's on, it's really kind of on you to get out of it. And that's the imbalance yeah. with this stuff is that, um, you know, people are using it. Like some of our friends have been, and, and even like in the last week have been hit with, um, with false copyright oh, strikes yeah. from different people uh and yeah and, and just out of nowhere you've got several claims to deal with and they may or may not go in your favor and it, it, if they don't um you just kind of give up or you can keep pushing and you know good luck going against Warner right. brothers right right so it's a, it's like an arms race that it's it's very hard for the little guy to win right and you know those are just the rules that are put out there and even you know it's all you're always going to be a disadvantage when it's just you versus a large company. And that's also kind of the reason too, where whenever it did get taken down, it felt like such a huge gust of wind cut off that were in my sales of my channel progressing and people, you know, finding my channel and it was just such a great deal. So then whenever it was done, it felt like the end of the world. But I feel like if anything, it's become just such a positive meme for my channel and the way that I did the funeral for it, it felt like, uh, it, I don't know. It felt like almost a blessing at the end of the day. Um, so it's odd. It, it's, I, I think that you can either, you know, bitch and complain and feel like, oh, well, you know, 
this is the end of the world or you can just kind of move on and just show that you can make more and better stuff. And yeah, the world is unfair, but what do you do? <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess that's how I look at it. But yeah, I mean, taking advantage of it seemed like the smart move. And, and, and there are I think there are probably plenty of situations in which something seemed like the end of the world and you just turn it into I mean it's not the Streisand effect because that's more like you're trying to hide something and then by <laughs> right. trying to ha sweep it under the rug it blows up it's almost like somebody yeah. tried to hide your thing and then you know it blows up just going back to because the the chat of course um came through with the what what in the butt thing Samwell you're right yeah. Samwell yeah. was uh, an artist on YouTube who created the song what what in the butt and then on South Park they did what what in the butt with butters and um <laughs> and the samwell tried to sue south park and comedy central whatever and i am pretty sure that ultimately south park won that lawsuit i don't uh, know exactly what the argument was because it is just the same song but um they won they won against samwell on what what in the butt can you imagine that being your life i mean maybe it will be someday probably yeah, I mean, I, oh, I uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think a hundred percent it will be the amount of times that somebody has said man pussy to me and stuff. I think that that will one hundred percent be my life of <laughs> uh, looking back on that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> the Samuel thing is odd too because it's like it's it's it almost feels like an honor, which I mean, I guess I'm biased, but if if a if culturally it was seeping into the mainstream. I feel like I would want it to be out there so then people could be could kind of ask where it came from, you know, and I guess it gives you more recognition. But I guess they thought that he was I guess he thought that they were profitizing off of his great song. So <laughs> his iconic song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wanted his royalties. Yeah. Probably. Right around the same time as uh, Lady Gaga, Dude. paparazzi and <sighs> poker face. And he's like, I, that's you know, we're on the same tier. It will be remembered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do either of you remember? Uh, this this would have been in the early 90s and in, in mid 90s how popular it was to have Kelvin from Kelvin and Hobbes pee on everything yeah. I just, do you I, remember I this I've just yeah. seen the uh all of the, my dad was in construction and every construction worker had like a the bumper oh, sticker of, of it right yep <laughs> which i think i think it's still <laughs> yeah you put it yeah. in the back window of the truck or on the bumper yep it like came with the truck somehow like you yeah. couldn't buy a pickup truck without calvin no, peeing on i don't it. think it well, in, no on sense. earth there's no 1995 chevy <laughs> silverado that doesn't have that bumper sticker on either the bumper or the window itself <laughs> the decal so how does it make yeah, perfect now, especially, sense what is it makes the perfect sense <laughs> this is where uh, kevin this is where your urban life has has led you astray my okay? urban life yeah Yes, you're an urbanite, and this proves mm -hmm. it. Uh, but for the international people, especially who don't understand this, and I saw some stuff about not getting the concept mm. of pickup trucks uh, on Twitter today. I'm like, what? But anyway, like there's rivalry amongst uh, uh, amongst pickup truck brands, right? And so, you know, you'd say every truck would come with it. Every Chevy would. Yeah, because Kelvin was peeing on the Ford logo. And on a Ford, Kelvin was peeing on the Chevy logo. It was everything. It, it, it definitely <laughs> so, felt like, uh, like yeah, the Midwestern yeah. dad. Uh, there was always something to bitch about, whether it's yes. like union or uh, like non-union yeah. stuff. It always felt like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, it was the poor man's on. Bart Simpson. It felt <laughs> like uh, to like the pissing, like, you know, punk yeah. Bart Simpson. But nobody got in trouble for that because there was no way to find out who was doing it. So like the person displaying this on the back of their truck is not doing anything 
worth prosecution, right? And so all the college kids who are who are making these t-shirts, and there are a lot of Simpsons t-shirts in the 90s too, with Bart doing weird stuff. Like, how are you gonna find the person who is doing that screen printing? You're not. There is no way to uh to tag them for any copyright violation you know, 25, 30 years ago. It was the Wild West in the best right. possible way. But now, if people are seeing your stuff, it's on YouTube or it's on Etsy or uh, anywhere else, right? So they can uh, they can right. sting you for Didn't it. Didn't they also change his... The hair was spiky, right? It was very 90s in that sense of like offspring kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> Calvin or, or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 even as a child, I never understood that, that was supposed to be Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. I just thought it was like, you know, Ugh. Yeah, pit, I'm gonna. Oh, really? Yeah, just the pissing kid. He's usually flipping off the. <laughs> I suppose it gets the message yeah, across yeah, either yeah, way. 100%. Yep, there he is. Yeah, there nice. we go. So Elevensies has posted in the chat Calvin peeing on the Dodge logo. Yeah, so Ford Chevy was massive robbery, but Dodge, I think, I think both the Ford and the Chevy people pissed on Dodge. Somebody can, <laughs> if any connoisseurs of 1994 pickup truck wars are listening to this, leave a comment and tell me if that's accurate about Dodge's place in the war. <laughs> Do, are the wars ongoing? Is this a still the, being battled? Uh, the amount like, of uh, hatred yes. and bloodshed that has been spilled in suburban America for men who do not have any like land and it's just they go they have a four-door four by four pickup truck huge and they drive it to their like suburban home so it's like this huge diesel truck in their driveway <laughs> is unfathomable it's it, that's that was my childhood i'm like you guys you there's no practical use for this at all like i don't know what you're loading or doing whatever it's yeah it's uh it's crazy and yeah it's it's a very it's a very real very petty war to be a part of even Honda, even Honda makes a nice pickup truck now. I uh, I test drove one uh, a couple months ago, back mm. in November, I guess. Uh, and it was real. I'm like, oh, so if Honda's in the game, then Everybody, everybody's yeah. in the game. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, and it, it, a great pickup truck for, for the birds. birds yeah. yeah, well, I'm just thinking of the psychology here where it's like if you are in the burbs, right, and literally every, you have some house that's a cookie cutter house and they all look exactly the same, what? do you have left to do to differentiate yourself from your neighbor, but to have the biggest truck and a, and a sticker peeing on your neighbor's peeing truck. Your, that's all you have left your in your truck, life. And that's, then you get it. even more petty to where you find out what union he works for in the construction or painter union that he works for. And then you put that on the back of the truck as well, just to really lay into the fact that you're like, I do not like you. And you never, you've never spoken to this man, not once. <laughs> no no it's yeah, the absolutely. rivalry and and then the nascar driver uh, that they like yeah. that yeah. was the other like pee, thing to pee on as i recall was uh oh, yeah. the Jeff nascar Gordon, driver so logo. you were like i even yes, as a kid i saw yes, uh peeing on Jeff favorite blue collar comedy tour uh member was i remember that was something and i was like this is <laughs> I, even as a child i was like this is getting out of hand somebody with like yeah really Within within the blue collar comedy tour, you had to <laughs> you, pick, yeah, yeah, apparently you had to pick apparently a comedian, they're their own brand. <laughs> it's either it's like which catchphrase do you like the least? Apparently is what ends up being, and usually it was the guy that was like, "Here's your sign." <laughs> so whichever whichever that guy that was. So imagine imagine waking up in the morning and and you've got this new mm. this new truck right, and and you're thinking like. Oh, the first thing I need to do today <laughs> is to get that vinyl decal of Calvin pissing on Bill Engvall. 
I was just. Then I'll get on with the rest of my day. I was just losing it thinking of somebody so excited about peeing on Get Her Done. I'm telling you, people like, you know what? Get Her Done is stupid. People breaking bread and being like, this is a Larry the Cable Guy house and shit during dinner. Absolutely. 100% believable. I could see that happening. I'd be like, well, I feel like even it's a child I. You ever fart so hard yeah. your back and everyone's cracked. like, Woo! <laughs> Yeah! Oh, in I this, have done that. this house, we respect <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. I hate you, Mom. I'm not a redneck, <laughs> Mom. A, can, can, can we collaborate now on Kelvin pissing on YouTubers? That's, oh. that, that's the deal you need. Is oh. he, he needs to pee on a YouTube brand logos. You know how cringy that'd be? I would unironically oh, put that yes. on my car. Yes. Oh, wait. Who would you pee on? Yeah, who, who would I pee on? on? I'd Will pee on uh, I'd pee on like uh like a nice silhouette of like James Charles. But then see, then I feel like it gets like oddly sexual in a weird way if you do like a person's face. Then you're like, oh, they, shit. Then you may are... be sending a message that yeah. you don't want to send. Then I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah. Well, man, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, it, it, oh, you, you'd man. be sending all sorts of messages across. Then I get, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's pro and against. So then you'd get best of both worlds. People are like, nice. And the other people are like, nice. You know? The two, the two, the two different kinds of, uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> the nice, whether it's guttural, whether it comes from the yeah. head nah, or the yeah. heart. Oh, lighthearted. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, they're either like, yeah, buddy. Or they're yeah, like, yeah, buddy. Okay. I'm with you. Oh I'm with you. We just, yeah, I'm with we you. just dropped this 2020 highlight episode. And I already know that this segment is going in the 2021 <laughs> best of episode. <laughs> It's definitely the longest we've talked about pee so far. That is a That's feat. a feat. That is a feat, yeah. That's a feat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should talk about <laughs> your work. Uh, yeah, if you, I mean, if you want, I we, guess. Can do, we can talk about whatever. If you're interested. I don't know. If we have to. I don't know. Do you have peeing in any of your work? I watched a lot of your cartoons today. I don't remember any you know, peeing. I, don't, I try I don't not to. I don't know why. I mean, um, I feel like I always try to shoehorn in like a weird fetish type deal of... Uh, you know, like farts or shit or piss, and it just never, never ends up in the final thing. I don't know why. So really? I want to moderate a little discussion here, okay? Because you say that, and in the past, we've we've talked a ton of times about different facets of comedy on this podcast. Because Kevin is a comedy connoisseur and like comedy theory mm. connoisseur. I've had conversations with him going back like fifteen years about uh, how useless in in his view the the toilet humor stuff is and how he doesn't like it and find it to be mm. you know that great at the same time we're laughing mm. about it here and i i would like to bring together these two minds on the subject of how how that is or isn't funny because you thought it was funny because you put it in a thing but if it doesn't make the the end cut right was it that well, funny i think with any kind of shit or piss or anything that's like i guess toilet humor or cheap humor I think it's just about your execution. I think that in any terms, like you can, I think that it works more ironically than it does practically um, in like finished jokes and stuff. I think that also whenever it, there's something magical about when you're talking with people and how certain things ring to be just ring true to be funny versus uh, um, versus if you saw a random person do it, you know, I, it, it, it's like a weird, uh, almost unspoken rule, it seems like. In a lot of weird cases, like uh, whenever you and your friends, I like ironically say a bunch of stupid shit to each other, 
it's really funny because you know how stupid it is <laughs> versus like um, having shit and fart jokes. Mm-hmm. And that's is that's your basis of I guess it's just respect amongst comedy <laughs> writing. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> do you think there's a way to pull it off, Kevin? Do you think it's possible to? Yeah, yeah, to I know. I, I think I think you're totally right. If it if you're look, I think what was so funny about why we just spent 10 minutes talking about pee and laughing what was exactly what you're talking about. The absurdity of how stupid it is uh, that that was like a cultural phenomenon because it is so base and it is so lowbrow. It's pretty much as lowbrow as you could get. You know, if Calvin was taking a dump on the logos, I guess that's like one step lower than peeing. Um, but the fact that it was so crass makes it funny to talk about now. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think that's not what scatological jokes are used for. They're used for just the surface level. I mean, look, man, every single trailer for a comedy movie has a fart joke. Every single one, like all of the Adam Sandler movies, all of the Will Ferrell movies. Whenever you watch the trailer, they it's it's almost as if beforehand they're like all right we have to put in like a fart joke or getting kicked in (laughs) the balls just so we have something to put in the trailer yeah or else no one will know that this is so funny (laughs) yeah it it, that's what i don't like it it, it, it's uh it's whenever it's it becomes that the fart noise or like the fart is funny and it's like it is funny in terms of i think whenever you're talking with your buddies and it's just something stupid. But whenever you see like a movie and that's the joke, usually people are disappointed because it feels it's been done a million times. But I mean, I don't know. You could craft something to where I don't know if the person let's say it's like it's a it's a movie where it's like it's like a Bernie Mac. What's that Bernie Mac one where it's Ashton Kutcher is the whole joke is that it's like he's a white guy dating a black woman. And that's like the the joke of the mm, movie. I, forgot. I think it's called right. Guess Who. And it's like he's eating food or something, and then you could maybe work in like a dinner bit to where what he ate gave him the shits or something. Yeah, they guess who? Damn, I I came in clutch <laughs> like that. Fucking got some like detectives in this Discord chat. Good lord, info popping up left and right. Um, but who knows? Uh, maybe you could write something, but I just feel like it's been done seven million times in really bad cases, so it's like hard to respect. Like you know, uh, Adam Sandler, <laughs> you know Logan Paul, Jake Paul, all that kind of stuff. It's been done by these people where you're like, I just don't feel the respect, I guess, anymore. So it feels cheap and useless, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, it's just rarely clever. It's just rarely, rarely clever. If it could be done in some sort of clever manner, then that's awesome. But (laughs) that's one in a million. Usually the joke is just like, ha ha poop, ha ha fart. And that's Speaking of cheap and useless, uh, our cheap and useless chat right now has already posted images of Calvin peeing on the Create Unknown logo and also on my face. There are two versions. <laughs> One, I, I say I love pee and the other says I love pee in my pants. Um, yeah. Okay. So so they've done a good job quickly working nice. this up for us. It's a nice little production you got here. <laughs> a lot of edits. <laughs> it's yeah, very high, bro. This, this is nice. Um, I wanted to ask, okay, so along with analyzing comedy, I I like just analyzing creative works Mm. in general. Last year we spoke with hot dad. I don't know if you're familiar with hot dad, but um, he's, he's a musician and he makes very, very funny songs, but I had trouble categorizing his music. So 
I wanted him to categorize it for me. And and it was perfect. It was like emotional comedy music. I think I'm pretty sure that's what he called it, which makes perfect sense. So yeah, if you haven't checked out the Hot Dad episode, um, that's Create Unknown number 30 with Hot Dad. Um, when I'm watching your cartoons, there definitely is a vibe. There are some themes. There are some things I can pick out. And I want to hear about how you put them together. But before mm-hmm. before you do, I'll I'll show you. I'll let, I'll show you. I'll tell you what I've picked <laughs> out. What I've picked out. Um, a lot of teeth. Uh, you love to have characters with a lot of small teeth and a big mouths. A big mouth full of a lot of tiny teeth. Um, and then overall, the vibe seems to be taking pop culture icons and turning them into guys who are not allowed within 500 yards of a playground. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the mood of it is this hard for me to articulate, but I'd love to hear how you explain it. But the mood is very like a slow creep. It's like very uneasy, this very slow, uneasy feeling um, throughout where <clears throat> It's like low energy in a way that's disturbing. Yeah, I could, yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so with that's all I have. What do you think about that? And what do you think in general uh, about how you think about your cartoons? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, that's I'm glad you caught on the, on those things. That's nice. Um, small teeth. I like drawing gums and teeth. Uh, I, I when I was a child, I was just very, um, I guess uncomfortable whenever my mom had this friend when she would smile it was just all gum and no teeth and that was always just stuck out to me so small teeth and lots did she not have any tiny, teeth at all little, little where was she little, just little kernels she in her mouth oh, it was okay. just disgusting okay. and i sat there and that <laughs> stuck with me and i just the, the the act of gum gum in mouth and with tiny teeth is just unsettling um yeah, I think that everything's slow moving. I think that one thing that I've noticed with, you know, obviously people's attention span is way shorter nowadays. And I think that comedy has been, um, God, I, I'm not going to say diluted, but it's just been categorized. And people, I think, fast paced to happen immediately to captivate someone's attention, loud noises, all that stuff. I really just love very melodical kind of slow tension and ambiguous horror films. And to be able to draw on that uh, uncomfortable mm. feeling, I think, can you can get a lot of comedy out of that. I think that, you know, uh, being uncomfortable in comedy, to me, is a lot of the same emotion of usually you're surprised, um, you are um, maybe unaware of this thought or these things that happen, and it jolts a reaction of you. And to play off both of those things, I think, is really um, important for what I do. And I think that, um, you know, having subject matter and treating it seriously makes it funny like if you went in and try to do a lot of the things that i've done i think that it can go cringy very quick and i'm sure a lot of people think it is cringy but um i think if you treat the subject matter seriously it invokes a lot of comedy out of it um versus trying to make it comedic and maybe horrifying or uncomfortable at the same time i think there's a lot of ways to go wrong i guess in that category if that makes sense i don't know if that if that was a good answer, but what would be cringy? Where's the line between I think you try too hard or cringe and not you, cringe? Maybe you're trying to force the viewer to feel something. Um, you're trying to force the viewer to see something maybe um, where it doesn't feel clever anymore. It doesn't feel 
ambiguous. I think keeping things ambiguous can be of such a strong element to writing in terms of keeping it universal. People can grab any kind of idea that they want to out of it and apply it to their own life, apply it to their own philosophies, all that kind of thing. Um, and I think that there's just a point where I think the cringe is made when you um, you take it too seriously and you maybe lean one way versus the other. I think, I don't know. It's a very fine line to dance. Um, and I think that I've created tons of cringe <laughs> and I'm a, a, I'm a, I'm a consumer of cringe. I love the feeling of watching like a cringe compilation. It's horrifying. It's <laughs> disgusting. And it's like such a great feeling of, uh, not, you know, being, having to look away from a screen is such a powerful, <laughs> I think, tool in a video. So how do you, um, harness that for something that's palpable and watchable? and, you know, consumable, I guess, and media, I think is really, um, really captivating, really interesting. I, I think of a category here when I think about your videos, um, there's this category of animation there are animators who make my life better and worse at the same time. And that, like, that's psychic pebbles. That's you. <laughs> it's, it's damaging me on some level most of the time, but I also come out <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> Thinking it's like well, the best thing in the world. <laughs> who, <laughs> who, who else is like this? What, who, who is in the club of of unsettling uh, animators? Mm, I mean, I, I think that uh, there's some great people that I just love watching, which is a uh, ethereal snake. I think uh, Pilot Red Sun is amazing. I still think Mark M falls in that. Uh, Sick animation, I think, falls into that category as well. I think mm. that. These people know how to find a, they, they have their own voice in all of it, which is nice. And there's something, there's something just really nice about creating an atmosphere that you laugh at, but then also you can pull back and enjoy the story that they've told, which is why Psychic Pebbles, I think is obviously so fucking, well, I mean, Zach is just the funniest fucking guy on earth in general. So it's like, it's good, but he's <laughs> yes. also just a fantastic writer and he's a great artist. So he can you know, if he wants to tell a story, he can. That's the same thing I feel about Sick Animation or Mark M, where it feels so stupid, a lot of the things that he does, but there's so much intent to being able to believe immediately with whatever scene he puts you in, which is a f like, a, like a fragment of a person's life, and he just throws you in. And there's something just incredibly wholesome and like beautiful about that. And then, you know, Ethereal Snake, he does some stuff similar to me of where he takes brands and skews them. But I think his big thing was the Goofy and Mickey in Vietnam. And it's like a whole, it's like a sequence of like a, a mission gone wrong. And there's inherent comedy about that. But I think people stay because it is like this emotional, beautiful, <laughs> captivating scene that is memeable, but at the same time, just incredibly watchable. Um, so, yeah. I think that I just really respect that. And of course, Pilot Red Sun, I think Pilot Red Sun was, which I hadn't found him till last year when people were comparing me um, or saying like, you know, this gives me Pilot Red Sun vibes whenever I was, uh, my channel was growing. And I think Pilot Red Sun was very far ahead of his time in terms of like abstract, weird um, animations of his own definitive style and how he does things. It's just amazing, super funny. Just, uh, just awesome. I love it. I, I, I always, I always just uh, love watching any new things he does. It's just amazing. And you know, you have Lumpy Touch as well, 
Lumpy Touch, I think, really capitalized on the mm. I'm sorry, John meme with Garfield. And he does fantastic, uh, what is it, pixel art and stuff. So he's, uh, yeah, he's he's great. So there's there's tons of people, you know, there's, there's I think there's an, an amazing amount of people and I hope more people come out and do it as well because it seems like people have their own kind of uh, fantasies in which way they lean you know, in the non, in a non-traditional sense, which makes it so awesome and unique. Um, can I just say about Mark M? I think I'm, we had a uh, Chris Wilson from Cyanide and Happiness on, and I, I think I asked him about Mark M as well. I, I love uh, mm. sick animation, but, but I, I'm glad that you categorized it kind of as like a slice of life, yeah, very. sort of, of whoever the character is, because that. <laughs> His animations, if, if, you, if you haven't seen them, just look up Sick Animation, Mark M. They are really weird to me. And I kind of really try to put myself in the headspace of creators when they're making stuff. Um, but even even with, with your cartoons, like I can see where you're going in terms of the mood and stuff. And then like stretching an idea. But with Mark M, I feel like I'm watching cartoons from an alien. Like this alien has landed <laughs> on right. our planet and has decided to spend, dedicate his life to making his alien cartoons. And I'm like, I don't know where this comes from. Do you feel like you know where Mark M comes from with, with his ideas yeah, and I with think, his cartoons? I think, I, do. I think a lot of the times it's poking fun at old 90s satire or like full house kind of aesthetics of like wholesome things. And, mm -hmm. but I think where he really shines through is like you, I mean, like he just, uh, being able to extend a fragment of a joke, being able to extend that into like a three minute long thing and have this kind of, it just feels like every line is funny. Even if it's just him being like, Hey son, how he does it, how he presents it, the way he draws his characters, which is all, it feels all just so intentional of, it's all crude. Like there's just no, it almost feels like he goes out of his way to unpolish anything that he does to fit the joke or the subject matter of what he's doing. And that's what makes it feel so just awesome to me. And, and, but at the same time, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I don't know where he's coming from. And that's what makes it so fucking captivating is I'm, because I'm, you almost feel like jealous or you feel like, <laughs> You're like, what, like, where, what have you been looking at or where has your mind been to how I can access <laughs> some of that as well? Because I feel like I'm like, I want some of that too. You know, it's awesome. He's just so fucking, he's just so talented. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wh whatever his muse, muse is, is, is definitely one of a kind. The one thing that I always come back to is his, his little song about how many times has, George W. Bush's pee mm -hmm. split in half. Have yes. you seen that one? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe I have. Yeah, <laughs> I always go back to Tommy the Gorilla. I think it's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, Tommy the Gorilla is just <laughs> it's just such a such a treat. I love it. I show Danny Danny and Tanya that. You you, know. you work with yeah yeah you work with him. Mike Markham does voices, so that's something that I really you know want to mm. get into with you is like how you put together these collaborations because you're putting out a ton of content and the way that you're able to put out all of these because we all know that animation takes forever right. to do forever to do so you're not sitting there grinding by yourself like in the basement cranking out one animation every four months you are working with people and collaborating so 
how have you managed to do that? How does that work? I think work? a lot of it starts with knowing that YouTube doesn't favor um, waiting so long. And if you're trying to, and like, you know, a goal of mine was to make YouTube my job and to make this like a profitable thing. And how does that happen? And it's, you have to feed the algorithm, which when I, you know, it's at first it became something about more of thinking in terms of a shoebox diorama of how can I do something within three backgrounds, this kind of cutaways, these kind of shots. And as it's grown, you know, not thinking the same, but trying to evolve the channel and bringing on more talent. And then also uh, when you're collaborating with people, I mean, especially with animation, as many people will say, really the only way you can collab with people is with voices, just because you are on your own kind of production schedule. You can't really hand off things to other people to be like, oh, let's work on this together. It becomes more of a job, you know, paying artists to help you. You have a deadline and that stuff goes across. Um, I always try to reach out really far ahead, I think, because no matter what, somebody can be like, yeah, let's do a voice. And <laughs> I feel like it takes way longer <laughs> than you would ever expect. So I guess trying to prep ahead and then when you're collabing with people, having those things be a little down the line to where you can hop on it and you have those things readily available. Um, a lot of the times too, I just do 98% of the voices just because production, it just makes everything so much faster. So, um, you know, that's just, I guess, a way of thinking that instead of being pissed about, you know, oh, I can't make this thing that's awesome or not even awesome, but I can't spend four months on this one thing. I think it's how do I make these really cheap jokes into something that feels more longstanding that we can do in two weeks and then hop onto the next thing. Because I think a lot of um, even comedy animators would think that working on the same joke for four months is hell because it becomes unfunny after the third day of production. You have to stick with it forever. And it just, uh, yeah, I, I think that maybe letting go of things and being able to just always be thinking ahead and be just thinking of another joke um, is helpful for it as well. You know what that, mm. that process reminds me of is um, in game development, mm. a game jam. So you might have a weekend uh, for, for people who, who don't know how this works. Uh, you, let's say you, you get together on Friday and you get put in a team or you choose a team and you have to make a game that's right. playable by Sunday. Those limitations they just cut out mm -hmm. a lot of things. Yeah, just it's not possible to do that much in a few days. And along the way, you're constantly reevaluating and thinking, uh, what do I what do we as a team focus on? What can we actually get done from this original plan? You make a lot of cuts right. and pivots to get to that hopefully you know, kind of working game on Sunday. And really good things come out of that. We were talking, I think in the the after show a week or two ago. Uh, about how Goat Simulator came out of of that that kind of setup, uh, it was very limited at the time. They were like, "Okay, well, this is something that you can turn in mm. to something larger." Uh, but the tight compression and all those limitations, and uh, and kind of respecting those limitations, resulted in a bunch of good things. And it sounds like you have a formula that that takes itself seriously to just the right amount and leaves enough flexibility and adaptation to get. To, to churn out animation in a way that that other people don't. You know, Kevin mentioned uh, how notoriously difficult it is, how many hours go into right. one minute of animation. Um, most people we like, they just don't have the volume that you have. You know, and 
I will 100% 100% say that I don't have the best looking animations and stuff, but at the same time, I don't think that's necessarily even what I'm trying to go for. A lot of my influences are like Metal Ocalypse, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where it's more focused on the writing. I love animation as a medium, but um, I think giving yourself that time restraint, giving yourself those limitations can really breed a lot of amazing responses to um, creative decisions. Uh, I think sometimes with too much freedom, you you second guess everything way too much. And I think a lot of the times here, it's about having an idea. You talk to your friends about it. You're saying some stuff. And if they're just like, yeah, I mean, that's funny. Just full steam ahead. Like, let's just make it. Because I'll I say the, the best part, and you, I think any anime would say this, the best part of any animation is when it's done and you can watch it and it's just there to watch. Um, and to be able to do that on a quick turnaround rate is very satisfying. It makes it feel very... It's very rewarding. It's like just a nice high. So to be able to complete something so quickly, and you know, it's a lot of work, but I think that for me and the team that I usually run, it's uh, something that we just enjoy doing. I think it's always satisfying. It's always nice to see the comments and stuff as well and just be able to move on to the next thing, not to be so attached to this thing. And, you know, if something doesn't do as well, um, there's always the next one. You know, we can just keep going, keep thinking about it. I would love to get a little more granular though on your process working with others and like matt i would also love your opinion on this as well because look guys we talk to so many youtubers you youtubers who are un- <laughs> YouTubers. You- youtubies who are unable to work with other others let's just they like can't. they can't like they literally cannot work with anyone else and what you are doing is non-stop working i mean i look at the credits of your cartoons and it's like okay there were a lot of people involved here and you have it's like your a tv show you have your own show that you kickstarted, <laughs> right. monster lab which has eight episodes that are you know eight mm. to ten minutes long that are coming out at specific right. times That's on right. deadlines that you're hitting deadlines that you're actually hitting and for people who don't understand um that uh, doesn't happen yeah. <laughs> uh, in it the world happen. of yeah, youtube yeah. ever so ever is this ever. just like because you are a unicorn and you just have this bizarre rare mixture of like temperaments or can you give anyone else who's listening some advice on like where to begin building out a team or working with others like how yeah, does I this happen that, well first the the um the collaboration started when people are just interested in what you're doing, right? So like it started with music, it started all that kind of things. I think also associating yourself with people that are excited also helps. So like a lot of the freelance artists that I use are excited to one, be getting paid to do something that they like, but then two, be able to see the response and be excited and be happy and proud about what you're doing. Um, and I think that it helps keep your, whenever you start to build a team as well and you're paying for things, you become a lot, I mean, at least for me, I felt, you know, I'm, I'm taking it seriously because I'm investing my own money into this and I'm, you know, we're this, it is just stupid cartoons and we're having fun with it. But at the same time, you know, we're trying to make something. I, you know, when we make something, I want people to see it and enjoy it. And it isn't just something so throwaway-ish. It becomes a business and it becomes us taking it seriously and wanting to um, wanting people to enjoy who decided to subscribe and watch, wanting them to keep coming back and how do we keep pushing that? And um, that became a big, a big thing of, you know, keeping yourself accountable. And if there's one thing I can say in terms of like the Kickstarter goal and stuff is the amount of times that even as a viewer, 
you know, because my I haven't been you know popular for very long, and I've been just an avid viewer for so long. And the amount of times when things keep getting pushed back, and it's understandable, but at, at a time, I think the creator has to be, especially when you're dealing with a Kickstarter, you ha- you are so accountable. I think for those deadlines, and I want a big thing with this Monster Lab thing is to say, you know, not I mean, not fuck the networks, but you can do this. It, it's feasible. You know, people, uh, there was a big notion back in the day that I think caused this narrative to say that it was impossible for people to survive on YouTube as an animator. You know, that might have been right for the time. I'm not sure I wasn't doing it back then. But for me, it's how do you adapt to new rules? How do you adapt to new um, algorithm, algor- algorithm changes and stuff? And I, I just think as creators, you have to be accountable um, whenever you have a viewer fan base and when you have. I guess people's money <laughs> on the line, but collabing, um, even just for my own parodies and stuff, I just think that it's how bad do you want it? How, how bad do you like your job? You know, I think a lot of it is bred from, I, I would say fear is probably the wrong word, but I think, uh, it's just, you're just grateful. I don't know. You're just happy to be making shit and it's just, you know, let's make it. I think it's just a big, a big thing for me. I'm also, I feel like addicted to work a lot that you're excited to be making things, but at the same time, it's just, like I said, such a natural high to see people comment on your stuff or to just finish something, to be proud of something that you made, I think is such a gift. It's like such a feeling that is so, you know, even whenever you guys finish editing a podcast episode or you release something, it's such a high of being like, ah, I I accomplished something. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think that, you know, that, that feeling hits with anything, with anything that you do where you, took time for yourself you invested time and you did something through completion um it's just really great so it's just that same feeling yeah this is weird but one of those one of the things that gives me that little little feeling of uh accomplishment and relaxation is actually paying bills uh, this sounds nuts, but you sit down and pay all your bills like i don't know if you've ever been in a position where you couldn't pay a bill uh and, and your life was such that bills piled up when you can just handle normal life and pay all your bills, you finish that and you're like, damn, that's yeah, cool. No, <laughs> like, it's not so much uh, life getting better as knowing that you've just yeah, dodged no, a bullet I mean, surviving you know, either way is I think a crazy, uh, you know, even just a huge yeah. thing, you know, enjoying your nat- you know, day job. When I had day jobs, it's terrible to go to a day job you hate finding something that you enjoy, um, whether it's a trade school or whatever you're doing. It's uh, that within itself is such a huge, like almost like blessing or gift. And it just, it, it helps you push along, you know? And I think that a lot of people, especially whenever you start getting success, I think that you, you don't squander it, but I think that people just assume people are going to show up and it's, you, you find people maybe slacking in some ways or, you know, especially with a Kickstarter, I feel like a lot of the time people, when they get, they get the money, it, they feel like the hard work is over because <laughs> they have the money to make it. But really that's just the sheer beginning of the hell that is a running a show, <laughs> especially, um, especially if you're doing like a Kickstarter show or something. Matt, you didn't answer my okay. question. Is Wh- this, which question was that? I want to know if, if Meat Canyon is just amazing and rare or if people can learn to do what he's doing. I mean, I could, I, I mean, I can tell you that I think people I can think, 100% learn. Okay. Uh, yeah. How? I think so too. What are the I steps? Think so too. Like how can we help people uh, achieve this sort of, success um you know with not with animation with whatever it is that they're trying to do right by you know actually working with people and finding the people to work with and knowing who 
to work with and who not well, to work with and that sort of thing. I mean, that's just like, there is no definitive answer to w- finding the right people. It's about um, working on multiple things, finding out who's reliable, I think is a huge thing. Um, you know, trust within a production is insane. Like, I mean, that's being able to trust that you, so you don't have to continuously be like, hey, how you doing? Is it coming along? All the kind of stuff is, uh, it's hard. And it's, you know, you, you do get to that point and you will work with people where you're like, I'm not going to work with them again. That's just something you have to deal with as well. Um, I think that also another thing is finding out what is your goal. If your goal is to make, I want to make a feature length animated movie, obviously to shoot for that right now seems unrealistic. How do you get to that point? Taking the necessary steps um, that are satisfactory for yourself that can give you, you know, l- lean itself towards that opportunity, I think is important. Um, and also just having realistic understandings of what it is to be a creator and have viewers. People are going to be dickheads. Don't let the small things distract you from, you know, what you want to do, what your uh, goals are, I think is important as well. A lot of people, um, I think, think that being a content creator is something that's just super easy. It's it's chill. Oh, I wish I could do that all day when really it's thousands of people looking at you. You get tons of shitty comments. It's a huge... Uh, uh, it's it's a ton of back and forth and it's an awesome job but it's uh it can be really mentally draining and mentally just fucked so it's how you know being able to navigate through that give yourself realistic standards and goals i think is also helpful um yeah there's want- something oh sorry kevin uh I, i'm gonna take over from you here you're, okay. you're fired i'll from write down podcast. what i was gonna say because i'm gonna write it in the sky no 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 just go okay. ahead. Go ahead. It's just so, it's so, it's so good. I want to reiterate it, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, you talked about, well, how can you learn this? And, uh, Hunter talked about how you can, you can acquire these skills. I was thinking back the first job, the first real job that I had at a college was, was working in, uh, corporate education within, a. Uh, uh, an international recruiting company. So like kind of high end headhunters, right? C- uh, CEO, CFO, that level of people. Um, nobody knows how to do this coming out of school. There's, there's no college major in recruiting. I mean, you can study HR at some places, but uh, if your job is to go out and find people who are the, the best fits for any given company, you don't come in with that knowledge. Nobody gets this job. If it's, their first job in the industry. Nobody gets it knowing what to do. So they have to learn how to do this. And it's, it's really kind of similar. You know, they, they under, uh, they would undergo training programs to kind of learn how to build a professional network of people that they could draw candidates from, you know, it's nice to have, have a job come across your desk and, you know, you're like, Oh, uh, you know, Susan can fill this. I'll call her immediately. Uh, you got to have a, a decent network to plug people in like that. And that takes a while. You know, you can't rush that, but you can do it efficiently. Uh, you can learn how to do this. And I feel like, is is it crazy? Am I, am I being stupid to think that there could be a, a sort of boot camp for uh, YouTube and creative media people to learn how, how to, to have these management project management skills and team management skills. Uh, through simulations, because trials and tribulations can can uh, mm. really go sour if you blow it. People won't want to work with you again, or you get discouraged, or you blow your budget and then some. Uh, that can be a tough road. Is it? Would would anybody even do that if they could go to like a, a I don't know, like 
two, three, four week thing where they pretty much played around with this stuff with other like-minded people, would they be interested? Right. I think it just is, would it be comparable to a real life thing though? I think is the, um, is the real question that I would have, I guess is, um, will these simulations and stuff be the same as, um, having to be in the, I guess, stressful environment of the real life situation? Um, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, I would hope you could. Yeah. I mean, I think that people would definitely be interested. I think that a lot of times though, I mean, maybe this is just me, but I think that just trial by fire is the greatest way to see um, if you can stomach it. I think also though, giving like that, that's also why I think that giving yourself like reasonable, realistic expectations will make that trial by fire a little easier. So then if you crash a little bit, it won't be as hard as if a more grand expensive project, um, it's, it's good to set those, I guess, smaller goals for yourself that when you succeed, it becomes a nice propellant moving forward. I like that. I wish they, at least the YouTube creator Academy, uh, creator Academy or whoever does those kinds of things would do videos on this kind of thing instead of the, the dumb shit they do videos on now. Oh yeah. I mean, the dumb shit (laughs) they do now is catering to what, like Like, fucking people unboxing, uh, makeup products and all that kind of bullshit where there's no general thought. It's just, you know, don't stress yourself out uploading twice a week or something. It's like, okay, well, that means nothing when trying to gather a team. And you know what I mean? It just, YouTube has YouTube. And even I think a lot Mm. of general viewers don't understand what it actually costs and takes to make a production, whether it be animation or if it is, any live action bits in terms of editors and, you know, the can't like having a reliable team in general for larger scale kind of productions. Um, they don't know what it takes to make a small one. And that's a theme that's popped up with, with so many people we've talked to and with us when we've uh, just talked about the Vsauce two process, nobody knows they, they have no sense of, well, not nobody, but most of the people watching a video have no sense of how long a thing takes, how much it costs, how much work it is to, put it together and spit it out and have it be good. They just don't get it. And you get so many comments that <laughs> that show that they don't get it and show that they have zero appreciation for what you have to go through. And that's on something like Vsauce 2, where, yeah, there's a lot of research and, and careful uh, bits of attention to, you know, the flow of, of different uh, facts and things like that. And like, it's got to happen, but it's a lot more intricate with what you do. Those, those pieces are much smaller and go together in a more intricate way. And if they don't understand us, they really must not understand yeah. you. Well, I mean, I, I mean, the amount of comments I've gotten, even from like the first episode of Monster Lab being released, you know, and I asked for a hundred thousand, um, and the amount of comments being like, you could have done this for so much cheaper than a hundred thousand, <laughs> like after they saw the episode and I'm like, you have no idea how much it costs to <laughs> like run this, how long it takes, all these different things. And I guess at a point, you also just have to ignore the like incredibly ignorant people where there's just no ration, you know, rationalizing with them, I guess. Right. I mean, I guess to, to, for your own mental s- sakes, there's, there's always going to be, bo- be people who uh, are just, yeah, blissfully ignorant to whatever you're trying to accomplish. And um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what are you basing that comment on? <laughs> I yeah, would start I, there. I mean, and the thing is, too, <laughs> like, you can't. <laughs> oh, really? I can? What are you basing that on? Your years of experience doing yeah, animation? Like, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, a, a simple, a simple what are you Google basing search that on? of being Where's like, how much from? does an episode of Family Guy cost? You would be like, oh, okay, well, he's doing this 
like literally almost like next to nothing. Not that a hundred grand isn't nothing, of course, but I mean, in terms of like a studio, like a giant studio. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an odd thing. Frederator ran into this years ago. They were kickstarting. Oh, yeah. Um, they kickstarted puppy cat. The I remember puppy cat thing, right? They kickstarted. Yeah. Being puppy so cat. Yeah. Um, and they had another show that was, what was their other show that was pretty popular? It was kind of like a superhero sort of thing. Right, Bravest right. Warriors. Thank you, Conrad. Uh, Bravest Warriors. And they ran into that because, you know, they were asking, they, they did like Kickstarters. I think the Kickstarters were like mm -hmm. a couple million and they ran out of money. I'm pretty sure that they, those, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure those cartoons just ran out of money. One of the, okay, yeah, I'm looking it up now. Being Puppy Cat raised $872,000. Wow. Um, and I don't know what happened to that show. And that was just to make six, six minute cartoons. Yeah. So, I mean, you do the math there, guys. <laughs> That's over a hundred grand per six minute cartoon. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the thing is too, is that of course the bigger budget you have, you can get the best LA professionals. And of course you have to pay people a fair wage for you know a lot of like uh i think like five people that are on my team right now live in la and I, i'm trying to give them the best possible um money i can i also try to make it to where the schedule can almost be a part-time type thing so it kind of hopefully doesn't eat up all of the time and they are <laughs> struggling to fucking survive out in that desolate uh pit as la is in terms of rent and shit so it's <laughs> like you know you just have to uh, yeah you just I have love to, this. i don't know be accommodating to people but yeah. We have accidentally backed in to just shitting on Los Angeles in like seven it, episodes it, it, in a row. It, 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 <laughs> needs, to be a, it needs to be a telltale sign. <laughs> I lived in Burbank for like a year and I just, I, I, I have no intention okay. of moving back to that city at all. The Gelson's out there is nice though. The Gelson's has, has very nice produce. You know, there's a Burbank. <laughs> Burbank I, I liked Burbank. Burbank was definitely more of, I mean, that's where all the studios are at, but also it's more of like the suburban feel. It's a little cleaner and same with like, I like Silver Lake a lot. And, um, there's, there's beautiful sections of the city. It's just a shithole. It's just a rat race. And it's just, uh, yeah, I just, for what you pay for my God, you do not get back <laughs> in terms of mental and physical space. It is not. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when people talk about the time they spent in LA, like they, they talk about it as they're taking one huge drag on a cigarette. And it's like, <laughs> it's one of those long drags that leaves like two and a yeah, half oh, inches absolutely. of pure ash. <laughs> That's what I mean. It is. It's, 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 you're killing yourself and it's, you're like trying to keep that, like basically trying to keep your sanity straight. And that's, I think what the ash is. It's just like you, like just <laughs> grasping onto the shaky ash and little flakes are falling off, but you're just, you're just puffing away. <laughs> like, and then until inevitably you're like, all right, I think I've had my fun here. <laughs> to be fair though, I've had many friends that love it. They love it. I think that it's, I think it's also if, if what kind of environment you like to live in, I lived in New York and that was also just a, a trash pit. And then I've had many people who love that environment as well. So <laughs> I think it just, maybe it's just, you know, dealer's choice, I guess. <laughs> well, the, the scholar and philosopher Hank Williams Jr. said, send me to hell or New York City. It would be about the same to yeah, me. <laughs> Gotta love Hank. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what was the thing that you had to write down? I want to make okay. sure we don't forget it. All right. Here's what I'm writing down. And it had to do with, with working with others, 
building a team? How do you know who to work with? How do you know not who not to work with? And you mentioned something about uh, if you have to check in with that person all the time, that is not a person right. you want to work with because I have, I, 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 this is what I write, want to write in the sky because this is something that no one tells you and you have to figure out by yourself. So I am going to tell everybody mm. who is listening. If you're working with someone and you constantly have to check in with them on whether or not they're doing the thing that you both agreed upon that they would do, you got to stop working with that person. That is not a good person to work with. You should be able to delegate some sort of responsibility to that person. Have them do it without you being like a vulture babysitter, tapping them on the shoulder all the time to make sure that they do the thing that they're supposed to do. Because it will just completely waste your time to a point where you might as well just have done the thing yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. I think that, um, you know, I was talking with Tom with Flash Gets when I, my channel was growing, and he always said that, you know, you should always hire people that can do things because you're essentially buying time. And if you're working with somebody to where you have to constantly yeah. check in on them and you're stressing about it, you are forfeiting that time that you are purchasing, basically. And it is, uh, yeah. It, 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 and also, you have to also know that it's just business and that when cutting the tie with somebody, it's just, uh, you know, I don't think it's anything personal. It's just literally, it's just not good for your workflow for trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And you don't want to jeopardize your own production for that sake. Yeah. It's definitely no, I, true that sometimes that. people you like a lot are just not, yeah. not the fit yeah. that you need. They don't fit in the flow. They don't fit for, there are a thousand reasons. It's just, it's the same way you don't, uh, you know, you, you don't end up marrying every single person right. you go on a date <laughs> right, with. Right. Like it, right. it's just not the way it is. Yeah, it's true. All right. That's it. I just wanted to get that out there because I feel like no one talks about that. And it's advice that literally spans any sector, no matter what you're doing or trying to do. If you're hire, if you're in the business of hiring people to, like you said, do something that will buy you some free time so that you can do something else. Um, yeah. And that's not happening. Then find the person yeah, I, who will do the thing I think, with, so that you right. can do the thing you're paying them to as do. I've uh, been working and stuff. I think that time has definitely become the most valuable asset of any, of anything that I've ever had mm. before in my life is being able to be like, yeah, I have time to do this and being able to yeah. like take time to be a human being <laughs> instead of like constantly on that grind and having to work and stuff. Cause you, the burnout can be real. Okay. Because that was another question I had is, is do you sleep? Because you have all of these animations, you have the Monster Lab, you have two podcasts. Right. So, so here's a two-parter. Part one, do you sleep? And part two, what do you do to feel like a regular human? I, uh, I do sleep. I, uh, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've become more and more of a hypochondriac of I read certain things and I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die if I don't get eight hours of sleep every night. I'm going to be a shell of a human being all this kind of thing. So sleep is incredibly important. So I always try to get sleep. Of course, you know, you have your all nighters. What do you do? It's just a part of the gig, but, um, sleep is definitely a, a must have. And then to feel like a human being, I, I, I mean, I just, I love like doodling in my sketchbook. I like, uh, f listening to new music, listening to all sorts of music. And I'm not a big gamer or anything. I don't game a lot, but I, uh, yeah, I just, I love listening and finding new music. Um, and yeah, 
that kind of stuff. Really not a lot. I, I honestly just really enjoy working too. Um, and then I also spend time with my wife as well. So that is, that, 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 that's what makes me human. I guess. Got one. It <laughs> seems like a good thing to do. <laughs> I have a wife. I'm human. I swear. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good to have, it's good to have one person in the world who's like legally bound to sign off on, on like you being yeah. somebody to be around. That's See, right. I, thought, I thought it's, you were going to lean in. <laughs> like, I thought you were going to lean into there has to be one person in your life that whenever you're working so much that shames you into being like, oh, fuck, I, I really need to take, I need to take some, take some time. Oh no, you can ignore them. It's easy <laughs> okay, enough well, to good. ignore yeah, them. Yeah. I can't wait for my wife to, <laughs> my wife to hear this. This is going to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen to me. The one unmarried person. <laughs> yeah, on I know. Right <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> it's easy to ignore them. And then right. you no longer have a right. wife. That's kind of how that plays out. <laughs> Everybody, everybody watching me is seeing, uh, uh, in the episode chat is seeing my cat piglet climb around. Piglet's the closest thing to, uh, <laughs> that I have to what, what you guys are talking about. And he only likes me because I feed him. <laughs> um, I want to back up, uh, from behind the collaboration parts. You were talking about, uh, the day jobs that you had that, that you liked mm. to some degree, a little bit, not much. Um. We talked with Scott Kramer, uh, who he he calls his followers strugglers, and he talks about the struggle yeah, quite a bit. It's great. really funny. It's really funny stuff. Um, we talked with Scott about the transition to being full-time, because he had a great job. He had a great media job, full-time, great benefits uh, before he could go full-time on YouTube. We talked to uh, Sumet from Sumetto Media about that same process he's <laughs> he's desperately trying to uh let his job <laughs> let him go uh he's finally drawn a line in the sand that he's out by february or something because you know uh, whatever he's been trying to move on for a while and he can make it full time now what was that process like for you and is it any different for the people who do animation is it is it tougher to get to a point where you can pull the plug on on the day job and, and do yeah, what I mean, you I do think now. That, that probably depends on where you live, right? Like, if, I think that certain living rates are way cheaper, so maybe you can go into that maybe more comfortably. Um, I think that, you know, quitting the day job for me was, I, I, I think that I was like, you know, if I make a certain amount per month or something, then I'll be, I'll, I'm going to do it. So for me, it was fine because I just, I could give two fucks about the job I was at and doing and, um, for me, it was just, let's just take the chance and ride the storm type deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that it, it feels like a natural transition. I think that you feel a lot more, uh, I guess, responsible. I think that what you're, what you're doing and your job becomes inherently all on you. That was kind of something that was new to me instead of kind of just mindlessly going okay. to something you are, no one's going to tell you to do anything. It's kind of, you're going to have to make your own schedule, do your own thing. And that was a bit of an adjustment, but it was a nice adjustment. It felt like purpose, I guess, like a nice, uh, when you have, mm. that's a double-edged thing. Yeah. When you have the nine to five, you can phone in a day. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can, you can do a shitty job. You can phone there, in a lifetime, yeah. Really, man. <laughs> yeah. Depending on the job, you absolutely can. Yeah. You know, when, when we phone in a day, we just bone yeah, ourselves. hurting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th and I think that also, yeah. even in terms <laughs> right. it's of, not that cool. even in terms it of like bad. ads you get or whatever, you know, with your regular job, you know how much you're making. I think that life can become a lot more structured in terms of like, if you're wanting to get a house or if you're wanting to do whatever, yeah. 
this is all very in, entirely dependent on you. If you don't upload, you're not getting paid type deal. So it's like it becomes a, uh, yep. yeah, it, it definitely becomes a lot more scary. But I think at the same time, you just, ha- I, something important with start, like transitioning and especially when you find your footing with the YouTube career is like keeping that kind of creative uh, juice flowing of like creating for fun and not creating for the paycheck. Because I think that's where it, be, when the YouTube thing really feels like a knife going into your stomach <laughs> and like spinning around and shit because you're like, oh God, I'm, I'm trying to think of this idea to, for, for work and stuff. And I, I can't think, and it becomes really stressful and hard. So, um, you know, not taking it all so seriously, I think is also kind of important when, um, transitioning as well. Kind of like, as if you don't take your job that you go to, that you really don't care about as seriously <laughs> or something, I think it's kind of the same mental state being relaxed and having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think when you have two mad doing the voice of Oompa Loompas, you're like doing a pretty good job of still having yeah. fun with it. Yeah. I, I, would, I, would, I would hope. Yeah. I would hope. I think that definitely it, with a lot of the stuff that I do, hard. I think I just generally try to think still of what, just what do I think is fun? I think that's always kind of the goal instead of being like, this is what I think would get a lot of clicks. I think it's just what, what, what what's a way that we can, like I want to have fun and like see the end product and have it feel like kind of something new and you know having two mad do that or having Mark M be Ronald or something I think is always kind of a it's always just fun little bits and pieces to throw into the pot each you know every week or so when you're thinking ideas and making stuff. Do you have a favorite? Oh God! Of your cartoons, is there <laughs> one that you're like that's? I mean, that's I, the honestly, one I hate this. That yeah, I, I'm I mean, really proud well, of. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean the cat in the hat one was really cool because that was like one of the first times where like I really branched out and thought like, okay, how can I do something different and like animating the bitmap fill on him to where the cat's lines are always going and it's like this perpetual loop. I was really happy with that and also just getting to work with like Max Mofo. Like that was just a fun thing because I love Max and he's a great guy. Um, but I mean, honestly, it feels like you kind of, by the time that you're finished with something, <laughs> I usually hate everything that I'm making and I'm like, oh God, this is, this is the worst horrible imposter syndrome and uh i think that it's always like the favorite becomes the newest thing that i make just because i'm proud of just having finished it and being like ah it's done you know breathe for a second but i i think as of now just monster lab being an original thing it feels very like i felt a lot of pride for that having that uploaded and i think by the end of it having all eight episodes up it'll be hopefully i'll feel good about it still and it'll be something of being like you know you have a full season of a show that people can go back and watch at any time which seems fun to me yeah Mm. i think it's awesome yeah that's amazing should be really proud of that Uh, you know i hear imposter syndrome all the time and i've I've never felt that i think i have some kind of mental disorder where (laughs) where, awesome like i don't even feel as if the person in the videos is me what do you call that that seems way worse than imposter syndrome because at least you're like identifying that as yeah. as you yourself but with me i'm like okay um is, is it a like a, when you watch it or you're just like oh my god this guy's amazing this guy i don't know who this guy is but he's amazing no it's like, it, it's like nice selective <laughs> narcissism that. or something like that, that like, oh my god this guy's so handsome he's <laughs> yeah. so good no yeah i would love that wow. that would be a great what a hunk and yeah. smart back in the days of rss feeds on blogs I used to, uh, for a, an old job, I used to read maybe 250 that I, I followed through RSS. So, I don't know, there were like 150 a day, something like that. And I would 
run through them all on the computer. Well, once the RSS got, feeds got kind of bonked and, and refed, I'm reading this article and I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. I agree with every single bit of this. And I got to the end and it was a thing that I'd written like three years ago. The RSS. <laughs> I, I had no recollection at all of that. Yeah. I had no recollection of writing this because it, you know, it was about like fifth grade math or something like I wasn't going to remember it, but the RSS feed had, had refreshed and thrown this in. I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> the end, God like, damn, I still got so. it. Type deal. <laughs> Man, I, I think all of these same things. <laughs> oh God, I'm still on point. Amazing. Great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Great. I love it. Um, yeah. Dan says I have dissociation. I'll, I'll have to look that up. That will be the armchair psychological diagnosis for what I, what my problem is. But before we get into, we have a lot of questions, great, great questions from our patrons who are live with us in the chat. If you want to ask questions, just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown, and then you can be part of the show. Um, but before we do that, I want to just briefly talk about the name Beat Canyon, where that comes from and, uh, you know, what type of meat is in oh, your canyon? I would hope ribeyes and all sorts of nice. Is yeah, it's all, all of the meat? No, I remember I was, um, it was shortly after college I made it. Um, I was very much under the impression of, you know, this is like 2016. Um, you know, I grew up watching like Oni and Psychic Pebbles and having the YouTuber, you know, like the username. Um, and it was just a, it was just a uh, random name generator. I think I typed in like fat and large or some, some, some kind of like mixture of words of how I described myself. And it came out me canon. And I remember at the time, my, my, then girlfriend, now wife at the time, I was like, yeah, me, Canyon. I mean, that sounds kind of cool, right? And she was like, that's terrible. And I was like, well, that's, I'm, st I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> throughout the years, I just kind of, just, I just stuck with it. I don't know. It had like, it had just a, a subtle <laughs> sexual hint to it that I thought was kind of funny. And um, yeah, it, it just, uh, it, it's, that's just the origins of it. I just, I just never, maybe too lazy to change it, I guess, or something. But yeah, it's, it's I guess it's stuck. So <laughs> in the episode chat, Trev is, is questioning yeah, how, subtle how subtle it really it's is. just right in the face. Blatant. Yeah. Blatant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blatant. And Dojangles wants to know, is it really God, what hope. we think it is? <laughs> that's, I guess, that would be the answer. God, I hope. <laughs> Um, Did you want to do questions, Kevin? Are we ready for this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was going to say something about his magic school oh, bus. It. His uh, <laughs> this is Frizzle's Meat Canyon, okay, but we yeah. don't have to go there. Um, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just derailed if, if you that. Hear that put on, put on, That's all yeah, the people all leaving right, the yeah, chat right now. <laughs> Checking out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't make all the right. cartoon. Guilty. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. Come on. Um, all right. Yeah, no, we have great questions uh, for you. Awesome. From our patrons. Oh, we have, we have a lot. We have a lot here. And, and that makes it tough because, mm. you know, you've got to start with something. Um, oh, let's start with a, a nice easy one. This is from uh, Conrad 500. How do you choose the subject's for your animations. And I think I, I want to combine this with one from Chinchilla as well. Uh, he, he wants to know if, if you usually like the thing. Yeah, that I, you're think parodying. So. I think that whenever you're doing parodies, I think that there's always a general, general love for it. Right. Um, I think that that, it, 
Yeah, like, absolutely. A little respectful that, element. Even if you're shitting on something, I think that's just because it's like a, like a loving kind of thing of you respect it. And the reason that you're able to warrant such a good parody of it is because you know the subject material so well. Um, and what's the whole deal? It's like the most, what is it? Okay. Like the imitation is the most flattering, like, or what? I forgot that expression, but um, it's like, yeah. I don't, the yeah, highest yeah, form the of highest flattery? Form of flattery. So I, I certainly think so. I think in terms of uh, what I choose in terms of a subject, I think it's more so it starts with a general, I have so many people <laughs> in comments and stuff being like, you should do this or you should do that. You should do, you know, uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. And I think that, it, it 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 it's like that isn't really an idea that's just the subject i think that it starts with an idea of you know um like the let's say what's a good one to go off of like the ronald mcdonald one was all about how can you make like i just thought it would be funny if you had a first person narration of somebody kidnapping you and it's okay how can you acquit that to something and how can you make that more immediately recognizable? And then from there, it just became brand names. I'm like, okay, well, what's a brand? And I'm, I immediately thought of Ronald McDonald and like supersized me in that scene when the, all the kids, all the chubby kids were just like, they didn't know who Jesus was, but they're all like, Ronald! And they knew who Ronald was. So, um, and then from there, it becomes the Big Mac and all that kind of jazz. So I think that it mostly starts with a general idea and then kind of eliminating and then thinking of things of, what would best suit the piece? Um, like right now I'm working on a Monsters Incorporated thing and it's like mostly about like fan obsession and only fans. And it's like if Soli went back and watched Boo when she was older um, from her closet and stuff and like kind of like how that can be creepy and associating that and that's going to be really kind of gross <laughs> and messed up and shit. So, um, but I think it always starts with, yeah, just a general idea of what would be funny or kind of like creepy or unnerving and then bat tracking back to the subject of what it is and what it kind of associates well with. This is good because uh, Trevstead asked, do you have a process for turning beloved media into nightmare fuel or does it just, does your imagination just work that hmm. way? Maybe it's just the imagination working that way. Yeah, I don't, I mean, hmm, that's a good question. I think that, um, <laughs> I, I think given any kind of subject, you can distort and twist it in a really fucked way. Just depends, I guess, on what kind of mood you're in, where your mind's at. <laughs> I think that a lot of times, um, certain things get skewed just from certain media you watch or whatever is kind of currently happening and how that reflects things. But yeah, maybe it's just imagination and it just kind of depends on what time, <laughs> like what time frame you're thinking in or where, where your mind's at, at the moment. Yeah, I'm not sure. What was the basic premise, the starting point of the SpongeBob cartoon where they're mm -hmm. just like eating, like sexually eating SpongeBob, was... which, or, oh, Vo that's the the vor one no that no. that was winnie the pooh the spongebob one squidward and mr krabs are just like sticking their arms like in spongebob's mm. like like uh, like undulating mm. sponge holes <sighs> and and eating like mysterious <laughs> yeah, treasure that's right out of um, them that all kind of started <laughs> with that was like end of year <laughs> i was feeling a lot of burnout depression and stuff and just like really just kind of like mentally drained of i felt like and then kind of this this pressure of people continuously wanting things having these expectations of everything you make has to be better and greater and it became more of like it felt like people were taking pieces of me and it felt like uh it, it became more of you know people consume they leave and then they come back and do it again and i think that it became more of something like then i started thinking about um 
okay, well, this is the only thing that's on my mind. <laughs> I want to kind of like use that as fuel for some kind of fire for this. Um, associating that as well with like Prometheus and how the vulture comes and eats him every day and then he like regenerates and stuff from Greek mythology. And then bound, like bounding, instead of like being chained to a rock, it's SpongeBob chained to this grill and being melded with this grill. Kind of like how I feel like I'm sometimes melded to my work desk and stuff. And then having Squidward and Mr. Krabs be basically personifications of the viewer who come in, you know, <laughs> whisper sweet things into your ear, take what they want from you. And then at the end, you're kind of left bare and then they will come back. You know, there's the line I put in there that said, you know, our hunger is satiated for now. And then they leave and then he kind of gets reattached to his desk again, only to repeat the process over and over again. So that's like the... That's the version for myself that helps inspire the tune. And then it's, you know, like I said, you backtrack and you think about how that could apply to a character like SpongeBob, who is the golden boy of the Krusty Krab and stuff and all that. So that's kind of the general thought behind that. Yeah, mm. that was amazing. Oh, my God. That it's like a, an autobiographical <laughs> yeah. allegory. Like, we got to have you back on the show and just go through your channel piece by piece so yeah. you can give us like... <laughs> The, like the, the insanely Marianas <laughs> trench depth version of like where becomes, this thing uh, came yeah. from and what it ended becomes, up on the screen. You know, and you don't want to make it too self-masturbatory or anything. And I, you know, I certainly try not to make it some kind of fluff piece at all, but it's how can you take that deep? Like, I think the deeper the knowledge, you know, of your own story, it makes for even something that at surface level is like, if people are like, oh, this is creepy and I like this. And if you kind of dig a little deeper each time, I feel like there's like something for people that want to rewatch it and there's always a little something. And there's also ways to add humor into it or add like just these elements that, you know, it doesn't just so blatantly like, I'm I'm used up. <laughs> I feel, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, someone help me. You know, fl I have flares in my hand. Help! <laughs> I feel like... How do, you, how do you make it palpable for a general audience? You know, that becomes like the fun thing and a lot of times even just having the subject matter be based around like a children's show is usually almost enough to have people be like this is weird but you don't really dig into what the actual <laughs> source is so yeah yeah as you described all of that uh, at the beginning you were saying uh you were kind of feeling some burnout things like that dan asked if you were feeling better after the year end yeah have absolutely. you been recharged i think so i think that it was nice to have like force myself to stop working and then you know with monster lab i do a lot of directing and stuff but even then i was like i'm taking i'm stepping back i had my like i have a production manager who's a bu buddy of mine who kind of just made sure that you know we have our schedule so people know when things need to be hit but stepping back and then just like taking time off and just like a nice little detox i'm like so ready to like get back in there and you know start doing it again it feels really nice and i do feel better i think that even just like the stress of releasing the monster life thing on the channel and seeing how that does is done. So it feels good to be back in the swing of things, but mm -hmm. the break was definitely needed. Even if you think that you, you don't need one, it's always good to literally just not do any work at all. Even if it makes you feel like you're not, you're an unproductive piece of shit. You're not, you're benefiting your mental health. You're benefiting, uh, future ideas that you have that can be more purely thought out and, you know, um, aren't just you scraping the bottom of a barrel as well. So yeah, it's necessary. I'm going to start with the, the end of what James asked. He just wanted to, to let you know that he expletiving loves oh, screen okay. crew in monster lab and oh, Papa meat forever. 
but his, his real question was, how has the reception been to Monster Lab? You've you've got a bit of it out now, so yeah. Do you have a good handle on you know we're at like how that's one million views on it, which is awesome. I mean. I, one thing I hate about the YouTube analytic Good. thing is that it, it places your videos in terms of like one through 10. And it's like, well, like, you know, people really are not. And they like <laughs> leave the little thing that's like, people are not interested in this. I don't know what you're fucking up. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to set. You're like, oh, you're like, <laughs> wow, what yeah, you're like okay, well, cool. Thanks. Um, so analytically, <laughs> people who otherwise yeah, like, like you wow, think this I don't is know shit. what the fuck you were thinking. You need to take a step back and reevaluate because this is not it. And you're like, all right, well, um, you know, I, I think the feedback has been well. I think that a lot of it, I think people um, didn't expect it to be of the quality that it was. And I think that it seemed, I mean, I would say 98% of it has been positive. Of course, there's people who are just like, this is shit. You're going to get that no matter what. Um, but for a first episode, I couldn't be happier with the reception of it and even in the views. And I can only hope that maybe that momentum through the year carries through and we just have a strong season that people wanted to come back and watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I, I mean, like I said, with anything that's like original content, when, you're start, when your channel is based on parodies, you're going to find that people just aren't going to watch the original stuff early on. So I'm hoping that as the seasons go on and even as I do the parodies, people give it more of a chance and people, you know, can enjoy the really stupid story we have to tell. That's really fun. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. But I mean, as of yet, I couldn't be happier. You could license it elsewhere, too, though, in a way that you probably might not be able to. Yeah. With the parody stuff, just legally, legal wise. Yeah. Right. Are you... Are you worried about doing it that way, like doing a, a season somewhere? Because you've you've talked about not really wanting to hand over, you know, control on the thing. Um, is uh, that a concern? Being like, I'm sorry, can you like, what do you like? Do you mean like doing a season? Oh, so like, yeah, let's say, uh, let's say Cartoon Network calls you up and we're like, hey, this is awesome. Uh, let's oh, do season um, two with us. If there was enough to warrant another Kickstarter, I would never go with any network. I would just stick with YouTube and stuff. I would keep it independent okay. as much as I could. I've talked with like Adult Swim and I've talked with other people, or maybe I shouldn't say the names. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the uh, the thing with networks is that it's so great to have the money to help you fund something and push it and give it the leg room. But whenever you have to delegate with other kind of producers and other outside sources who just because they don't like it, you have to change certain things and you have to wait a certain period of time before you can release things. It just... I just want, I mean, if I have the power right. to, I'm just like, why would I, I mean, I can just make it myself, you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I don't want to have to ha- be bound by something. That being said, it of course would be a, a, a dream <laughs> to have like a show, like be approached by adults. women. they're like, yeah, let me fuck it. Here's a ton of money. Let's make something. Absolutely. But it's never that simple. <laughs> and right now I'm just like, I feel like I have my own network and I have my own viewers who like watching my stuff. And I feel like YouTube is such a strong platform as it is. And I think that even streaming and like all that stuff, that's the direction we're moving. So, um, I, yeah, why, why not just let it be free for people who can just pop in at any time and watch it? You know, if something happens with YouTube, I'll reassess. But um, as of now, this is the most, this is the freest way for somebody, anyone at all can watch it. And they don't have to have a subscription to anything. You can just show up and watch it. And if you want to, you can support it on the Kickstarter and you can get a little something in return. Um, but this is just, yeah, the coolest way for myself even to pay my some of my friends and to just share something fucking awesome that a group of people wanted to make for people for free is how I look at it for sure. 
Pebbles told us a few stories about uh, standards and practices. Uh, I think that's the the division. Is that right, Kevin? Uh, that intervenes with like mm. saying that you can do certain things and like this is too raucous and the language here is not quite right. acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. They ran into that with the breastfeeding. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the breastfeeding boss to even have an inkling of somebody coming across saying that they can't do that when that was just such a golden bit it's like that's 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 enough scare for me to be like mm-hmm. well dude if i want to have somebody breastfeeding like this little fetus <laughs> on a table like I'm, i want to do that like that's i know it's funny like the, i didn't put it in there because i thought that it was going to cause a story i put it in there because i thought it'd be funny and you have to fight people on that and that's just a fight that i just don't want to have to do if i don't have to um for sure. Which, of course, yeah. respect to him and Michael, of course, because I feel like those guys can do whatever the fuck they want and it's going to be great. So I know that they can travene those waters way better <laughs> than I can. So more power to them. Dojangles has a question about the future. Will there be any more Jamal and Rachel oh, well, or Daydrink? Jesus, that's I'm surprised people even <laughs> know what the fuck that is. Uh, Jamal. I told you earlier yes, that she was a did. super fan. Yes, did. That's awesome. I'm, specific- I'm glad people like it. <laughs> I specifically um, called her out. Yeah, you know, Jamal and Rachel and day drinking would be stuff that I would love. I think that, you know, the future is how do you continuously evolve? You know, I love Jamal and Rachel. It's l- just directly paying homage to Beavis and Butthead and Aqua Teen Hunger Force and that kind of thing. And day drinking is just so much a part of like my family and like, um, it, it just has a lot of myself in it and definitely a lot of like King of the Hill inspiration as well. Um, I think that Monster Lab is the stepping stone of being able to poison the well a little bit in terms of your subscriber base, getting people introduced to more original ideas. So whenever they it pops up, not only will they want to watch it, but it's to be expected and it just doesn't get so disregarded. I think that with Monster Lab, that's like another reason why we're doing like a bi-monthly release so that you can still have parodies in there. You still have, you're giving the people what they want, but you're still just kind of poisoning the well until inevitably the whole year has gone by and there's been an entire season of an original thing. So as the future moves through, I would love to include more Jamal and Rachel and day drinking. I just think that, I mean, just business-wise and analytically, you have to make sure that you don't sabotage the algorithm and the side that you have with it. So I, you know, I would love to. Absolutely. I just think whenever people are stoked to see more original stuff, I will definitely put more time and money and effort into that because I love those guys. I love the the, the, the absurdity and how easy it feels to make that stuff as well. It's nice. You mentioned mm. you mentioned Beavis and Butthead, and we've actually made a mistake here. Um, when we pinned comments, we have one pinned from the twenty third, and I'm going to throw it to you because it fits here. Now, if you take if you take the Warrant song Cherry right. Pie. <laughs> do you <laughs> do you think do you think this is a stain on the American songbook or do you think it's something that the Library of Congress should recognize as a, a contribution it, to culture? Uh, I think which side of I think uh, it should be I, mean, I think that should be in the the library but I don't think that it's it will be regarded as anything good. I think it just goes to show how America likes a course. I mean, even for love of God, you have to have that song and then you have Given, to have the interview yeah. of every interview that the guy who wrote the song has done, which he's just like, I would have never written that song. He's like, it's the bane of my existence. I hate it. <laughs> and I think those should be shown side by side <laughs> of uh, what courses of a certain time period, what power they have, I guess. Yeah. Given the answer and the yeah. respect you have for this song, uh, even though you already have your own podcast, would you... 
Would you be interested in replacing Kevin Lieber on the Create Unknown? <laughs> well, I, I, I couldn't. How could I? <laughs> he hates the song. He hates the song, and, and it's just it's. It, I thought it would be over. Mm. You know, it'd be one of those things that you you feel funny about yeah, for a couple a, days, and then it yeah, fades. No, that, that but it's still lingers. there. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, feel, it yeah. still hurts. Is it kind of like a hatred? Is is yeah. it pure hatred? Or I don't think it like, it's ever going to go away. It's like you 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 uh, you like no. you. Like, it's like you listen like this is one. I hate Creed. <laughs> But the amount I probably listen to Creed more than I listen to bands that I like out of like a weird, ironic love for it. I listen to Creed all the time. Yeah. You hate listening. <clears throat> here, here, I hope that this story exemplifies my relationship mm. with Warren's Cherry Pie. So at a time in my life, I worked at a club and I would get mm. there very, very early because I had to set up the club. I was mm. the little monkey who did that. And... <clears throat> Nobody was around, so I got to mess with the playlist. So if if you don't know, clubs have these subscriptions to these playlists that are like infinite because they need to play any song right. imaginable, essentially. So they have these like crazy libraries. And the first thing that I did mm-hmm. when I got on my shift was create my own playlist because no one was around. I could listen to whatever I wanted and no one mm-hmm. would complain and more often than not, Matthew Tabor, I would put Warrant <laughs> Cherry Pie in that playlist because while I do think it's an incredibly mm. stupid song, when I'm like lugging cases of beer around, go on. And, 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 you know, it's a oh, good yeah. when you're When you're a blue collar man background. just on the job, yeah. oh yeah, a little good cherry energy. pie thrown in there. Oh yeah, that'll get you up the hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get a little <laughs> yeah. off the job too. Uh, that's what you look forward yeah, to when the work day is done. The day is done. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> a little yeah, bit, yeah, little Dixieland like delight, if you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God, how do I, I? I can't believe we left that in there. Um, oh, Chinchilla. So this thing popped today in the Guardian uh, about a an animated show in Denmark. Uh, the headline here is Denmark launches children's TV show about giant, giant about penis, uh, yeah. man with giant penis. Um, from the still that they showed, uh, it yeah. looks like it's about 20 feet long and, and he's a, uh, he, well, that, that appendage is like pouring yeah. lighter he's fluid like also on in a, a striped shirt, right? He's like uh, a so doctor. Seuss. Kind of looks like a Dr. Seuss. Looks yes. like Xavier Renegade Angel mixed with Dr. Seuss yep. is what it looked like from the, the screen grab that I saw. <laughs> um, Chinchilla wants to know what you think of this great new real. children's show. I saw it and I thought this this can't be if it, if it's real. Oh, it's real. He blatantly is like this is my you know if he can have a fun, even a funny word so he doesn't have to say cock dick or penis yeah. or anything. Even if he just said like my my Jimmy or something, I would I would I would probably watch that for myself. I don't know what they I don't know what they they call it in Danish. I don't what, know. I wonder what the what um, I wouldn't call that uh, giant. It's just really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's extremely yeah. long it's, like it's not well at giant. first i was like i was like oh it's probably just or something i mean i don't know it's 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 this <laughs> it's like the it disgusting like long looking yeah, yeah deal i mean i think it's great tail. if that's real we're moving forward in the right direction is what i have to say here before long it's real we have links in the chat it's on youtube apparently um yeah, Chinchilla says, I've watched mm. four episodes of this show now he's got the link in the chat uh john dillermond uh is I, I think the creator here, and the other part of the title is John PP One. I don't know if if I don't know the John PP part, but yeah, it's up on YouTube. He says it's really funny. Uh, check it out because it's real and evidently fantastic. Every episode is just something PP, and then the number of the episode. 
John PP one, John PP two, <laughs> Herger Dungers PP three. It's like all these great episode names. Easy to follow along and just adds to the nice humor of the show. You have to love it. I, I, I wonder how uh, they appropriate it for a children's program because there's no way a child can be a part of that. Is the viewer here? Is is the, is the person who put in the links? Is that they? Do you have the? Uh, Oh, great. So do they He's put here. children in the episode? Because you probably you probably can't have them be like, be best friends with a child. Like oh. a lot of times. Oh, they do. Okay. Well, wow. I really want to see how they tap dance around that. They're like jumping yeah. rope. They're He's doing like, double dutch. He's like, stay for dinner. <laughs> like doing a like jumping rope and stuff like that with the kid. <laughs> Wee! That'd be, a, that'd be a, a, a fine dance to dance. And I'd love to see how they do it because a lot of people get in trouble for a lot less nowadays. So I'd love to see it. He's a scary looking guy, isn't he? <laughs> well, we got a cut. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. weird. He looks he looks like uh he should be uh like a, a train engineer in like 1870 yeah. or something. You know who he looks like? He looks like uh, Her- Hercule Poirot, uh, the famous Agatha Christie d- detective. I use my PlayStation 4 to watch these things on Masterpiece <laughs> Theater, but he had that same tight uh tightly capped like roundish head uh, perfectly shaped like an egg, like, as Christie described. But that little like, like handlebar any mustache. Any picture you would find in the 1920s with the Iron Sheik's face on him. That's what he looks like to me. <laughs> yeah. I yes. was thinking like yeah. an old-timey boxer. Apparently there's a puddle of cement here and <laughs> yeah. his dick is stuck in it, it but is, it's yeah. sticking out like a, like, a, like a straw that you would see <laughs> like an old like 90s Nesquik commercial, which is nice. <laughs> He's walking. So we've got a still from this. He's walking, I think, five dogs that are leashed to the giant wiener as three yeah, kids look it, on. It, if I see here correctly, the the dick is going over the dog. So they're attached to like not even the tip of it. It's like the base, which I guess would make sense. It's the strongest part. But uh, is, is, I'm wondering if there is a treat <laughs> attached to the tip of it that the dogs are chasing. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Oh, like a carrot <laughs> on a stick. Yeah, they could do a uh, a really oh. good "There Will Be Blood" parody. Like his neighbor. <laughs> God is a superstition. Just like a giant dick talking about how God is a superstition and stuff. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> Don't bully, yeah. bully me, Eli. <laughs> like bouncing on it like a kangaroo and its tail and stuff. That'd be nice. I'd like, you know, I I want to get in, I want to get in touch with this. <laughs> um, well, we got we got a couple more and then we can get you out of here um this one we're going to swing back to a little bit serious dan asked did you experience any negatives in growing so quickly on youtube the way you did and that's something we we didn't talk about in you know earlier uh your rise was some mix of like meteoric yeah, uh and exponential yeah. it was so fast it was nasty i mean what was that like i have no i don't know any other youtube people so i could never really based around how normal or abnormal it was. I just know that, yeah, it, it just, it's not, it was yeah. <laughs> a lot. It's crazy. There's all tons of negatives that come with it. Um, I think just, in, I think imposter syndrome is just a big thing of just feeling like you're like, I do not deserve <laughs> this at all. Like, I don't know what I'm doing right or wrong. And you're really just doing, I mean, I'm just making videos that I like and they're just doing well. I'm just very lucky. Um, I think as well, there's a lot of scare because, I mean, you know, when people rise really fast, it's like the faster they rise, the harder they fall type deal. Um, So I think it's just about maintaining this type deal. I definitely in no way tried to have this kind of growth. So it's just it was just a mixture of maybe just great timing and um, just being lucky because in 2019, in like August, I had 700 subscribers. And then by the end of the year, I had like, I think, 180,000 or something. And then this last year, 
2020 was just like, I mean, insane. I mean, like I, I couldn't believe the Bam. amount of growth that I had and just, just lucky. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just, I, I definitely, um, associated to a lot of luck maybe just perfect timing and, um, maybe just output of videos, you know, playing the algorithm correctly, being pushed, mm -hmm. um, as I, as it should. Yeah. Well, well certainly luckily, luckily enough for sure. Uh, Conrad had another question that that I, I'm really interested in this because what you do is not my game. It's not it, it's not anything I know about or have experience with. That's why I like talking to Pebbles and Michael Cusack and and all of those guys because it's not my world, right? So Flash is now dead. Adobe Flash is dead. Okay, uh, what do you what do you think about the many years of saying that Flash is dead and then all of a sudden it actually is gone? What's that? What's that been like for the well, animation that, community? Um, just the Flash player and stuff. It's a. It's unfortunate. Um, I never had internet really growing up, so I never understood the the relevance mm -hmm. and the power of like Flash games and Flash player and being able to upload things as a young creator to those kind like Swifts and all that jazz to um, websites. I think that it's a shame. Yeah. Um, because if you didn't adapt, it's just a lot of lost great files and stuff. So it's a drag, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know people have been upset with Adobe's take on even the animation software for many years now. So, um, I, all I can say is that I'm sure Adobe will continue to probably disappoint and <laughs> isolate more and more of its users and know that it's just, uh, it's such a select, like there's only certain amounts of software and I think they know that. And I think a lot of people are just, you're, you're kind of just bound to whatever decisions they make because they, <laughs> they're basically just going to benefit whatever Photoshop has to do, and then all, everything else can kind of, you know, take the back seat, and you just have to bear the storm. Is there anything else that's at risk? Any, anything, um, any standards, uh, little platforms, programs that are, that are useful and kind of uh, far-reaching the way Flash was? Is there, what's going to be I mean, next I think is, that is the question. Right now, the two main factors are probably Toon Boom, Harmony and uh, Adobe Animate. I think that those are the two industry standards. I'm not really sure what will be the definitive next thing. I just think that Adobe will continue to isolate people with the amount that they keep charging and uh, upcharging. They make it become more and more or less affordable um, and it just becomes more isolating mm -hmm. in that fashion. And I just think that, um, I really think whatever program, like I think Blender will continuously become more and more of an option for how free it is. And even I've been seeing people make 2D animations out of Blender and not even 3D. So I think Blender will become a huge contender for people learning, wanting to do online creation and maybe leaning more towards 3D than 2D. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. I just think, I think Blender is a big part and I think it's an incredibly useful tool as well if anybody's looking to you know, explore any new kind of creative endeavors or maybe an art form. Blender is a great place to start. That's cool. Um, Elevensies uh, has our our final patron question here. Uh, he said that uh, he noticed that, that your content ranges between comedy and horror. And you talked about the kind of nuanced connection of mm. funny and heroin, right? <laughs> right? And the, the, the kind of push and pull between the two. Uh, what do you, what do you try to make your audience feel in, in these animations and how do you communicate that in the different animations? I like to make them feel uncomfortable. Um, I like to make people feel uncomfortable because I think it really makes them sit and pay attention. Um, I think depending on, well, no matter what, I want them to be entertained, but I feel like I strive to make people feel uncomfortable while also trying to throw in things that 
basically just keep subverting expectation, whether it's successful or not. That's usually always the goal of uh, giving a general statement, applying something funny and then switching back. So you're laughing while you're also being disgusted. You're laughing while you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Like it's, it becomes a lot of different emotions. And I feel like that is incredibly strong. And I think it's memorable. Um, and I think that it's something to also, I like the idea of like creating something that's like that to where you can show your friends and you get to like wait for the reaction. There were so many videos when I was a kid where that became such a fun thing of, you know, kind of the horror that's ahead, whether it's two girls, one cup or something. It's like, oh, just wait. It's, it's great. <laughs> um, there's just something fun with that. I think just finding a camaraderie and. Well, wait, yeah. you see how the cup is, yeah. is comes does, into play. What does the cup have to do with it? Oh, you'll find out. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think, yeah, I, I think that it just, uh, I think the horror thing was just something that I kind of fell into because I just love horror films and I love um, just that that general vibe of going to the theater and feeling those kind of things. And I think it was just a natural kind of progression into what I started making. Um, yeah. So I think that's, yeah. Uh, actually, we, we may have another tiny one because I think it's an important one. Um, I, I think it didn't get pinned. Uh, if Chinchilla can pop it in, at warp speed here, we'll get it to you about, uh, I think it's what's your inspirations, uh, for animation, yeah, where, where the inspirations like, have come from. Um, I love a 24 films of like the lighthouse or hereditary. I like a lot of ambiguous kind of weird art house movies where it's like, you know, Mandy or whatever the fuck it is. I also enjoy watching. I also enjoy our crumb a lot in like any of his drawings and kind of the absurdity of that old spawn comic books everything also just any animators today i think that i draw inspiration mm. from everybody that anybody who's creating something it's hard to not watch something and then when you enjoy it not feel like you want to pick up and immediately do something i don't know if you guys feel that way too but it's like whenever you watch a really good movie or whenever you watch something you're just like oh man and you just like you feel all jazzed up and you're like ready to make something as well so and you know of course i mean the classics like psychic pebbles oni all those guys i mean anything that made you be like shit mm. I, I can do this. I know I can, like, I want to do that as well. I think those were also huge inspirations and also just music. I think I'm really inspired by, I think music has a cool. huge play in how thoughts are formed and even just the pacing of uh, cartoons and stuff as well as depending on what kind of music you're listening to, I think can really reflect that, whether it's like stoner metal or listening to Neil Young or whatever, who knows? Just, I think that a lot of those things really re- can reflect hmm. into what you're making if you're really binging it hard enough. Cool. Have you seen yes. American Splendor? Paul Giamatti. That's a great one. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. He did well uh, in that. Yeah, I figured that yeah, would be right Paul, up your alley. Yeah, I love a, that movie. It's a great one. I've tried reading the books, and they're they're okay. They're, I think they're very timely for the times, but it's cool to see like our crumbs are. What's his Harvey, last name? Harvey, Harvey, P- Harvey Picard. What is this? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And his yeah. disgusting voice yeah. <laughs> and stuff, just being completely like thrown out to the man who was screaming <laughs> for too long. But yeah, no, it's awesome. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we have. I have one last question because we like to show off the uh, the creativity of our guests, and um, the way that we do that is we ask them to come up with an ad read, and it can be you know uh, whatever you can think of. It's not. It doesn't have to be a real brand. It could be a real brand. It doesn't have to be a real product. It could be a real product, but. We need an ad read for this episode of The Create Unknown. So I'm going to hand it over to you and you can go ahead and pretty much run wild with it 
and let us know who is sponsoring this episode of the Create who Unknown. Is sponsoring it would be uh I would say uh I would say Bernard's Black Bean Chili. They're a fantastic Southwest brand of chili, <laughs> local to the region, but they're looking to get into the social media game, and they found their market with gamers and animators alike. <laughs> At the local Smash Brothers tournament, they saw that it sold out quicker than quicker than any product there. <laughs> so they decided to uh, spread their wings. The fantastic chili. I will say though that it has been implemented to cause you know meat sweats, different kinds of per- uh, perspiration. It is very spicy. <laughs> they recommend that you grind up two to three tablets of uh, Tom's heartburn to really just make sure to alleviate that problem before it even gets started. And uh, Burt's Black Bean Chili. Uh, be sure to check it out. It's fantastic. If you use code MEAT, create unknown, you get 25% off your first four boxes. That's right. They come in boxes, not cans. Don't be surprised when a big Amazon box <laughs> packed with chili is at your door because that's just the way they do it. Burt's Black Bean Chili. Check it out. Burt's Black Bean Chili.gov. Go, go get yourself some chili. Dot <laughs> gov. Oh, it's, it's a new, branch, it's a new of branch of the government. It's odd. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it also <laughs> it started out as Bernard's and then you ended know, up uh, as, yeah. as Bert's. So oh. it's not a very strong <laughs> scripted segment here. Uh, it was acquired. You think if you just type in, just go. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say chili gov, and you'll find yeah. it. Well, they, if you just type in chili gov, put that in the Google search bar, you will find it. It's hard to miss. <laughs> Yeah, Bert. Bert <laughs> came, came in halfway, halfway and I think that yeah, I forgot Bernard immediately with a big dollar sign. I had on a, it. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just immediately forgot Bernard about the, the not normal name Bernard and just put that right in there, and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, all right, listen, uh, everybody who's listening, you have so much great content to watch from Meat Canyon. Check out Monster Lab. Episode one is already out. Episode two is pending. It'll be out very, very soon. And then Mm -hmm. March 7th. All right. Episode two, March 7th. And then what, six more episodes after that? Bi-monthly and then two episodes released in December is what we'll do. Well, you have that to look forward to. You've got podcasts. You got got pretty much endless. I mean, you could just become a full-time meat canyon I, I think if you wish uh stan and and be be <laughs> just have all of your content needs filled well listen this was awesome uh thank you so much for for joining us and c- keep up the great work man i'm, I'm really a big fan and enjoying hey, the stuff you, that you're putting I appreciate out it. and thanks for having me guys it's been really nice and i hope that uh thanks for all the awesome questions as well by your patrons and people should definitely uh i know that I, several people that are signed up through your patreon and it has changed their life so i don't know if anybody's watching this wants their life to be changed in a great way but maybe sign up for the patreon i don't know whatever like i mean i don't know if you want your life changed in a positive way you know get on in there yeah it's if you don't, don't, it's don't it's yeah. best. It's, you should don't yeah the roi is fantastic yeah, that's patreon.com slash the create unknown. We're recording every Wednesday night. That's TCU night, 6 p.m. Eastern. Go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. Become a $2 tot. Enter the dumpster crew. Be- join the infantry. And maybe consider one day, one day ascending through the clouds into the baby gang. But until then, we will be watching Meat Canyon cartoons and the great show, Monster Lab. We'll see you next Wednesday. See you, Space Cowboys. 
Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and a congratulations to the listeners who made our Save the Babies Drive a success. Many new $2 Tots and Dumpster Crew members, you have saved tiny little lives. A tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang. Trevsdead, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Cat, Isaac, Conrad, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and our newest sweet little babies, Dojangles and the Catboy Latermint. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry, Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monahim, and the newest recruit, Private First Class Ryan Kinder. Thank you to our producer and editor, Ben Webster, and our social media manager, Dan Yoshua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. <laughs>